Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Amber Rose Presents Risque with Roxy and Ruby. I'm Roxy and I have an unapologetic approach to everything I do. Y yo soy Ruby, a traditional woman with a modern perspective on life. We're going to be talking about social media, hot topics, pop culture, relationships, politics, sports, and everything in between. Buckle up. Risque with Roxy and Ruby. Prepare for takeoff. Three, two, one. Oh, yes. Welcome to another week of Risque with Roxy and Ruby. And Ruby is absent because this girl is working her ass off. So my boy, the homo homie, is my co-host for the day. Hi. What up? Homo homie. <laughs> and we also brought back our boy who we loved having on last time, Dr. Milo Dotson, who's a licensed yes. psychologist. Yes, yes. Because there are a few things we want to talk about, um, including... Something that's been going viral, uh, like Tyrese. Tyrese okay. um, has been in a very nasty custody battle with his ex-wife, Norma Gibson. Mm. And, you know, I feel very passionate. I went on Instagram the other day, my Insta stories, and I was going off on, you know, I, I want to say I choose to believe that I'm a very well-balanced woman. Okay. And uh, I I come from divorced parents, right? My parents divorced when I was 15 years old. Mm. And so I I take it serious and I take it personal I think divorce affects so many people in such a deep level in such a deep way Absolutely. and I actually one of my goals is to write a book about being a daughter of divorced parents because oh, I man. feel like yeah. it it like it kind of creates like blockages in you when uh, it comes to, when it comes to relationships and marriages and the way you start viewing relationships because you feel like well you know what if my parents marriage failed after 21 years like mine are probably going to fail as well and you start owning what isn't even yours mm, in a that way? Doubt starts creeping in. Yeah, that yeah. doubt. Like if starts... they can't, if they couldn't make it work, then what makes me think that I could? Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of people, I've been, I've been noticing on the web, a lot of people are saying, you know what, Tyrese has problems. He needs to go check himself into like a mental facility. And I'm like, no, this dude is just out there fighting for good fathers, fighting mm. for fathers to be heard because because we know, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure you know, women and men that. Mm. In, in family law, like a lot of times the the courts very much side with the woman. Yes. In in many, 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 many cases they do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my God, excuse me. And it's really sad to see Tyrese like just kind of pleading, you know, like don't take her away from me. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a balance. Um, and again, what I've read and what I've seen on the internet is, again, the internet. Right. So I'm not yeah. going to say this. But is it's coming from true. him. Well, in terms of everything that's going into the custody battle itself and why there is the battle in the first place. So if there were allegations of child abuse, that's yeah, one there thing. were. And then there's also the conversation about him being able to express himself and express his emotions. And I think it's important to tease that apart. So it's not because I know some people have been saying he's manipulating and uh, being manipulative of trying to act that way 
with hard evidence that he has abused um, his child. And again, I don't know if that's actually truth or not, but that's just what's out there. Yeah. So I think it's important that we tease that apart because we don't want to perpetuate child abuse or whatever that entails uh, for him. And I also think that it's important that we understand it's okay for men to express themselves emotionally. Yeah, I, you know, it, Milo, you being a, you know, a licensed psychologist, and, and do you see private uh, clients? Uh, not yet, but I'm definitely thinking about it because yeah. you're like the world needs it. <laughs> yeah, the world. I, I could recommend definitely. a few people to you, Milo. All right, okay? thank you. Just with my word of mouth, you will be packed in <laughs> your right. office. You know, All right. I think a lot of people have this preconceived notion of like if you sit down and see a psychologist, like you're. It's weak or something. I oh, think a lot of man. people view therapy as just like, I'm not going to go to therapy. Like, they, I don't need therapy. Or they right, think that right. they're like crazy or something, mm-hmm. but, you know, that they, they don't think that they're normal. Yeah. And I think there's a lot. That's actually one of the biggest um, myths that I hear. So in addition to the idea of me, like implanting ideas in people's heads, like Leonardo DiCaprio, Inception, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I also hear probably the most that if you go to therapy, you're weak. And if you go to therapy, then it's because you can't handle yourself enough or it's because you're crazy. And a lot of these messages are coming from the way that we see therapy depicted on TV, in movies, in media in general. Yeah. And it's it's kind of sensationalized in a way where it's not accurate. And that's not what actually therapy is. Everybody and I, we talked about this last time that I was here. Everybody in this room, everybody listening has mental health. And just because you may not have hallucinations and just because you may not have suicidal thoughts doesn't mean that you still can't benefit from therapy. Yeah. People who go to therapy aren't crazy. They're people and they have they're human beings with emotions. Yeah. You know, I've been going to therapy since I was 19 when my parents divorced at 15. We were talking about this a little bit off the air. Uh-huh. It was something that was so shocking to me, yes. to my life, to my foundation and I was like, what the hell? Like, what just happened? Yeah. You know, and thank God I was able to just, um, you know, go to group therapy. It was like a group therapy okay. session, but it was a safe space that was created. And, and I was, but it helped me so much to know that, first of all, I wasn't alone. Yes. Because I think a lot of times when you're going through, whether it's your parents divorcing, whether it's you getting cheated on, whether it's you, you know, um, you're somebody in your family sexually abuses you, mm-hmm. like all these different things that mm-hmm. could lead you to want to go get therapy. Right, right, right. I think a lot of times when you're going through it, you feel like I'm alone. Yeah, like I'm right. Alone. Do you get that a lot? From absolutely, people? absolutely. People feel isolated in a way where they're not feeling um, comfortable or confident enough to express their emotions, and it's because there's a stigma around mental health, and there's different influences and uh, factors that kind of stop that. So, for men, for example, I've been, you know, told since I was a kid, well, you're not supposed to talk about your emotions, you're not supposed to express yourself, and how limiting that is in everybody's emotional expression, and how that keeps so many people away from therapy. Yeah. Um, and you go through this process thinking, well, I'm just here by myself, like no one is gonna really understand me. And I'm going to not be heard or not be validated that way. Yeah. And Milo, you were saying, and I think this, oh my gosh, so many people go through this. You were saying that you never really had your father figure. You ne- you didn't have a father figure in your life. So your dad was never in your world. No, I, I've never had a relationship with my father, but I've had plenty of father figures in my life. But your dad wasn't like an active dad in your life. No, no never. Uh, the last wow. time I, the last time I saw him, I want to say I was about four and there's been kind of infrequent contact since then. Oh, wow. Um, um, and none in person. It's 
been kind of like here and there uh, throughout what last 27 years since I was And was four. that like a personal choice of his or, or like oh, have you ever man. asked him that question I, like dad what, like, why not. did you bounce? No, 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 no. Um, Do you I've, even care to know? I mean, at some level, um, I'm sure I would be curious, but at the same time, like I was, I was loved and supported by my grandparents and my mom so much that in, unless I was able to see outside, like, oh, okay, some, some of my friends have a mom and a dad. I have two grandparents and a mom. For me, that was normal. And that was how I felt loved. And that's how I was really nurtured and helped to grow that way. Yeah. So I was able to see my grandfather as a father figure. I was able to see my coaches, my teachers, other um, men in the community as father figures. And they were able to help me understand what it means to be a man and what it means to not be a man. Yeah. So because I think that affects a lot of men. Like I mm -hmm. think and I think a lot of times men use that like, you know, my dad was never in my life. This mm -hmm. is why. I'm doing this, or this is why I've repeated this cycle. But mm -hmm. you're tell what from what I hear from you, that doesn't have to be a a, a cop out, right? Like you could no. still grow up to be a quality, amazing man Absolutely. and father and partner and hus husband and boyfriend, even if your father wasn't in the picture. It's like, do you, do you feel like your profession has helped you a lot? I think the way that I was. I was raised and the way that I grew up helped me find my profession. I don't think my profession has defined who I am or how I yeah. see things. I think, yeah, absolutely. I have more training and potentially more insight than people who aren't mental health therapists or psychologists. But I don't think that's actually made me um, or it has determined like how I understand myself or understand others. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, last week, I don't know if you heard our podcast from last week, but we had our, our girl, Sand Wonder on. Yes, I She's have. crazy. What up, Sand? And she has this, you know, and, and, and I love her, uh -huh. but I don't believe in putting your feelings in a box sometimes because I am I'm a cancer, you know, so okay. I feel my feelings. And, you know, sometimes I feel my feelings too much. So sometimes I could put my feelings in a box okay, and be like, okay, okay. girl, stop being, <laughs> stop being such a lover. You know, being, being a lover has gotten you really, you know, I, I love being a lover and I, I'm never going to stop being a lover. Okay. But what would somebody like you, um, Dr. Milo Dotson, say to somebody that, that does have that mentality of mm -hmm. like, I am going to put my feelings in a box, mm -hmm. you know, and doesn't know how to express or or maybe was told like, you know, if you if you cry, you're weak. Mm -hmm. Right. Or like, yes. you know, a strong woman doesn't break. You know, I think that's why me during my, my breakup, I was having a hard time like feeling in a way you know because mm. it's like god everybody has this perception that roxy is strong and independent and life keeps moving and life does keep moving right, right but right, it's right. like i literally when people ask me because it's been what three months since my breakup okay. time flies okay but three months really it's 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 three months it hasn't right. been a year it's still like there you yes. know yes. is it so concentrated like it was the first two weeks no Pro you know no, definitely not time is a healer but i do still have my moments of like damn man like mm. it's I'm not in a relationship and I, I I love being in relationships and sometimes I still get sad and I miss that person and that's normal right. and I allow myself to feel it. Yes. So when people ask me, how are you? I'm like, I'm taking it one day at a time because and, that's all I can do. Yeah. And that's the, that's the catch there is because it is tempting to just keep it moving, to keep trucking ahead and no matter what, being resilient, just pushing forward. I think if you really break it down, it's. Dif more difficult and it takes more strength and courage to actually feel and understand how you're feeling to take a second and to cry or to yeah. take a second to be vulnerable that's what strength is 
Oh my and god! I the think, other day I was on a flight and uh-huh. I was looking at the clouds, and I'm you know when you're in an airplane you yeah. see clouds and you really don't see much, but the you're like the sky is not the limit because you see uh-huh. everything that's out there. Right. And this thought came to my mind, and I was just like bawling alone on this plane, like, and I was kind of like got myself into the corner. I had a window seat, and yeah. whatever it is that I was, I saw or I was thinking, just triggered emotions. And I, but I was uh, now. I'm proud of myself because mm. I'm like, I want to feel it. I yes. want this to come out of my system. So one of the strongest things and, and probably the most beautiful things I've ever heard is from a mentor of mine who has said the fastest way to get somewhere is to slow down. So as wow. you're moving 500, 600 miles per hour on that plane, you yourself in that seat, you feel like you're slowing down. Yes. So when you have that time to actually reflect, and I feel the same thing, when you have that time to reflect in that seat, window seat, aisle, God forbid you get in the middle seat, right? Oh God, but I know. You, you get that window seat or the aisle seat, whatever, you're able to slow down and that that vision that you had, you being able to look outside the window to see clouds, it sounds like that perspective was actually healing for you. It was. And that perspective and saying, okay, I can see things in a new way and you can have that reframe, that was healing for you. And you, I'm gonna make an assumption here, you wouldn't have been able to have that healing experience had you just kept moving forward. Have, had you just kept kind of trucking ahead, pushing forward, saying, nah, F this, F him, F everybody, I'm just gonna keep doing me. No, and you know what? I, I don't want it. I, this time, I made a promise to myself. I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna deal with it differently. I'm gonna deal with this breakup differently, maybe because I was broken up with. Okay. So it was kind of like humbling in a uh, way, like very yeah. much like, damn. Okay. like. I'm a pretty dope chick. Like, are, what the are. heck happened? Yeah. You know, like, and I, I, I have started dissecting myself a little bit more okay. than my past breakups, which I think is good. You know, like not to the point where I'm like, I need to become this whole nother woman, hmm. but it's just like, okay, like, how can you be better? What, what is it that you want? What is it that you will accept in the next relationship that you're in? What is it that you demand in the next relationship? Like you want to make sure that you have and. And I'm redefining myself. And I think a lot of people listening to this, there's a, it's so funny because since I did my breakup video on YouTube, I noticed that so many people, it feels mm. like it's like breakup season. I don't know if it's because the holidays are coming up, mm. but there's like a well, lot. it's cuffing of, season as well. It's cuffing so I know, season. I don't know if those have any uh, parallel lines or, or uh, line up together or anything like that, but that's what the, the kids say, right? It's cuffing season. Yeah, it's cuffing season, <laughs> exactly. No, but back, you know, back to what we were talking about, right. um, you know, and because we brought you in here to talk about toxic masculinity, yes. right? And we're going to get into that yes, when we yes. come back from this break. But to the men that are out there listening that have a hard time expressing their feelings, uh-huh. like what do you tell men like that? Or or even women, because there's women that they, they, like you said, it is, for, especially for me, I have a high-paced life to just like, fuck it, let's move. I could have easily been watching a movie. Easily. I could have had my headphones on listening to music. Uh-huh. But I was like, I'm going to turn this off. And I'm just going to be present into me looking at these clouds. Mm-hmm. So, like, what do you tell men being a professional? And this is what you do that, yeah, that yeah, have yeah. a tough time expressing what they're feeling. Ooh, that it, there's a lot there. Um, the first and foremost thing that I want to be able to say is that expressing yourselves does not make men weak. It does not mean that you're less of a man. It doesn't mean that you have less of ability to be a good husband, a good father, or a good boyfriend or anything like Actually, that. Actually, us women love when you express yourself to us. To, at least to me, I'm uh-huh. like, when a man could express, I'm just like, that makes you 
so much more attractive to me. Yeah, and it helps in relationships to be able to be clear about your emotions and be a clear communicator. And it also helps in your own physical and mental health to be able to express yourself. Because the way toxic masculinity works, and we'll get into this more later, but it actually can lead to like high blood pressure. It can lead you to feel more of a depressed mood or anxious because you have to keep all of your emotions in. You have to keep it in that box. Yeah. And then what happens when you put all your emotions in that box? Eventually, and, they're going to pop through. Yeah. And that box exploding, that box busting out is going to hurt you and it's going to hurt those around you and it's going to have a negative impact. Yeah, and it could possibly lead to violence, right? Like domestic violence, mm -hmm. you know, offending somebody with your words. And once you say words, you can't get them back. You can't. You and know? The whole sticks and stones may break your bones, but words may never hurt. Like, nah. Nah. That's bullshit. That's because bullshit. Because words hurt a lot. Absolutely. Yes. And you can't take it back. So listen, it's something that's going to piss you off, uh -huh. or or I don't know, you might like it, is this uh -huh. video that oh, the homo homie found. Okay. And coming back, we're going to play a little clip of it. Okay. And I, I just want to get your thoughts mm. on, on what this woman is saying. Okay. And we're going to get really deep into toxic masculinity, masculinity because it's something that people never really talk about. Nah. You know what I mean? All. And I love that we have a man talking about toxic masculinity because if it would have been a woman, they're going to be like, Roxy's a man hater. And I <laughs> am not a man hater. I love men and I encourage men to be the best that they can be so that way we can have amazing partners. All you right, know? All right. So we're coming right back right here on Risque with Roxy and Ruby. Hey, this is Nelly Bernal and you're listening to Amber Rose Presents Risque with Roxy and Ruby on CBS Play.it. Alright guys, so we're back and I love, I love having a podcast because you really could go deep into stuff that you can't really get that deep to deep into in traditional mm -hmm. radio because you're like, I got commercials and we got all this other stuff pending, right. but we could go deep into this stuff. And I think these are topics that we need to be talking about, mm -hmm. you know, to help our community. It doesn't matter what you are, black, white, Asian, gay, straight, like this affects everybody if you're a man or a woman, mm -hmm. right? Because uh, toxic masculinity affects a woman and mm. it affects a man. Absolutely. Right? Everybody. And so, Erika, you came across this um, this video of this woman. Yes, it's uh, Ali Stuckley from The Blaze and she was talking about, uh, you know, uh, about uh, celebrating men and not emasculating them. So, here's, so the, watch. here's a little clip. Uh, listen to this little clip, Milo. Here we go. I'm going to say something that's considered really scandalous in this day and age, and that's we need strong men. Not I agree. scared men, not weak men, not men who are ashamed of being men or men who are afraid of their strength. We need men who are proud of being men and everything that means. Strong men make for a strong society and nation. Weak men make for a weak society and nation. We need masculine men to thrive as a culture. Now, before I go further, let me say that women have an irreplaceable vital role in the world, but just as irreplaceable as the role men play, diminishing men will not elevate women. Got it? Now, there have been increasing complaints from feminists about boys and men being inherently unsafe. Male aggression produces an environment that's hostile to women and even contributes to what they call a rape culture. So to cure men of their maleness, they attempt to emasculate them. They call their masculinity toxic and constantly harp on all the ways men are detrimental to society. Manly men are standing in the way of women and our progress, which is why they argue boys can be very dangerous well 
I have some big news for you, feminists. Listen to this, my It is okay for boys to be dangerous. Ooh. Huh. Yeah, I said it. They're not supposed to be safe. They're not supposed to be predictable and containable. It's okay if they're aggressive. Boys are supposed to grow up to be men who are willing to fight, defend, and protect. That's something to be celebrated, not taken away. And before you send me hate mail, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that all boys have to be the same. I'm not saying that girls aren't allowed to be aggressive or strong. I'm not saying that men's inherent nature is an excuse for bad behavior. But what I am saying is that we should stop man-shaming our boys into being wusses and encourage them to be the strong, kind, compassionate, brave, and yes, dangerous men that they're made to be. So stop, oh. you crazy man-haters. Okay, Queen stop, men. stop right there. Without Okay, Milo, Dr. Mm. Milo, he, he's like, your reaction, I don't even know. He's like, what oh. is going on through your head? He's ready to pop Because off. listen, <laughs> as a woman, as a woman, look, I'm trying to look at this with a neutral approach, okay? Uh -huh. Because being uh, myself, a strong woman, independent woman, sometimes I feel like I am dealing with weak men. You know, okay. and, and men that are afraid to um, step up to the plate, that are afraid to lead, that are afraid to say, like, look, mama, like, I got this, you know? Mm. I have met... Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Well, listening to, from my perspective, listening to it also is just, like, I agree with her at some point, but also I, th I don't think she defined herself. So, Milo, can you define what she's talking about? I He's wish, like, let me breathe. I, let, me, let me take a breath because, <laughs> man. Okay, first of all... Um, I've never seen that um, prior to today, and I've never had any conversation. I don't know who that woman is, <laughs> but I have a lot of reactions to it, and I have a lot of questions. The first question that I want to ask is, under what circumstances and who defines what it means to be a strong man? And then with that, who defines weakness? And in, in weakness, what does it mean to be a wuss? Does that then mean that I can't show my emotions? Does that mean that I can't tell another man that I love him as a brother, as a father, whoever? Or does that mean that I just, yeah, dog, like, you know, good job. Yeah. And and it seems like there's this, this uh, push or this, like, kind of ask that she's doing. Like, men, you need to step up in a way that, like, yeah, you can be a leader. But I don't think that it's man shaming to also ask men not to be assholes or to be jerks or to be sexist misogynists either. Mm -hmm. You can be a leader without being those things. Yeah, And I don't true. think that, like I said earlier, masculinity at its best is helpful in terms of being resilient. You can be tenacious. You can keep it moving forward. But the idea that somehow male aggression can never have a negative impact in the workplace i think she said like that's bullshit like yeah who like sexual harassment you mean to tell me as male aggression is okay like that's okay and i don't, I don't know if she's gonna try to put in some words or say like no that's not what i meant but it damn sure sounded like it. i mean i could i could envision you and this girl having a healthy debate Oh, mm -hmm. it would. Uh, you let, want me to set be, that up? You want me to man. set that up to have her to come to the podcast and then <laughs> please, I bring you? Set please, it up. I'm going to set that up. Please. Because please. that would be like to hear you state your points and to hear her state her points. Uh -huh. And she's a white woman. She, oh, she's a white woman. Well, there's that too. There's the <laughs> intersection of whiteness and what that means with white privilege and how that also feeds into masculinity at times for a lot of white men. 
i.e. the current inhabitant of the White House. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I, I don't like, I mean, listen, I am all about a man. You know, Steve Harvey talks about it in his book. Okay. Act like a lady, think like a man. Uh-huh. A man must be the three Ps in order to feel like a man. And tell me if I'm being, and tell okay. me if, because every man that I've shared this with, like, if it is like, yeah, like mm. in order for me to feel like a man, uh-huh. I need to be able to be those three things, which is a provider, okay. a protector, okay. and he, a man needs to be able to provide, protect, and profess. But where do, where do those, and I had the same sort of reaction and feedback when I first uh, read that book, uh, how many years ago now? It's been a minute, yeah, that right, it came right. out. So what is it then, who defines those as being a man? Like what, under what circumstance did like all people I think he was generalizing. Right, right, but, but see, to say like, act like a lady, think like a man implies that there's a distinction between those characteristics and values, like inherently, and that's not necessarily the case. Women can provide if that's what they want to be able to do. You know, how, like we were talking about earlier, you don't have to be less of an independent woman and automatically be submissive or listen to everything that your man's saying and lose your independence or lose your compassion for your career. Yeah. Or your, your passion for your career. So I, I have a reaction when we, we're trying to automatically make this distinction between men act like this and women act like that. Because if as a man, you have some sort of difference in understanding that, then what happens? Well, you feel like less of a man because you're being compassionate, because you're trying to check in and ask your, your partner, like, hey, how are you doing today? Are you okay? Does that oh make me God, less of a man? Oh my God, when a man is like that, that's so sexy. Like, I, but that's not acting like a man, though. Yes, like, it is. No, no, no. And, a and, man and that cares. Term, right, a man that cares. But when we're talking about what it means to have toxic masculinity and when we're talking about what this sort of what this woman was saying here it's saying that you can't a lot of times men will hear me check like trying to check in with a woman as me being a wuss like i somehow again it this whole the whole idea here it's who i'm getting so worked up you're trying to say that like you act like this but not too much so in terms of it's like it's like a stereotypical type of form that we're talking about toxic masculinity like as in like the latino culture where it's very machismo mm, okay. where, which where i can't have, stand that where, either where you also have the asian culture as well where the the women the woman walks right behind the man oh, uh-huh. where that. you also have you know the white the white the white culture they, uh-huh. they do the same thing as well okay. so look at the president and then oh my god that is men, like the worst example men being taught in general <laughs> to be the, the the main head mm-hmm. and then the females right under you know what i'm saying right, right right and so to like you were saying these stereotypes or these automatic gender roles what i'm saying is that yeah they can provide some guidance but they can also have a really really negative impact on men on women and relationships mm-hmm. because a lot of times we hear weakness equated to somebody's sexuality <laughs> oh my god and you're saying like okay nah dog stop being weak Stop being a little pussy. Yeah. You being gay. Yeah. And so, hold on a second. I was just asking this person because they just lost their father, like, how they're feeling. And now you're trying to say that means that my sexuality is based off of is that? Is being questioned? Yeah. Like, how does that even make sense, bro? I feel you. Oh, my God. I just sent this video to somebody, and one of my boys is like, my, one of my boys is like, oh, my God. I can I can be so gangster in a second while still listening to Shakira in the background. <laughs> And you know what? This dude is like one of the most manly men that I know. And I have to say, you know, like Uh he he is that guy. He's super sensitive with his emotions. Okay. But he's so manly. And I I feel like 
like in just dealing with men and talking to men, I love when a man could be like me. You know, I I, I want. What, what does that mean? Meaning, meaning that. I love and I think everybody should really be a balance of what we are, which is half of us come from our half. Okay, we are a creation of our mother and our father. Okay. Mm -hmm. A man and a woman. Okay. So be in touch with both of those sides of you, right? Yes. Yes. Like, it's not just be balanced. Mm. So not just one side, just more of an equal playing field. Yeah, like ladies. I mean, like, listen, I mean, listen, I'm all about attracting a gentleman. uh, And I hear women that are like, oh, my God, I will not. I will sit in my car until my man comes around and opens my door. Bitch, open the door. Like, it's not that serious. Like, if your man is a gentleman in so many other ways, Uh I'm not going to sit there and wait. Like, to me, that's just like, you could do it yourself. Open your door. Right. You know, like, at least to get out of the car. I mean, Uh if you want your man to open the door to get in, that's that's fabulous. And that's what you create with your man if that's your dynamic. But I'm not going to get upset. If mm-hmm. my man forgets to not open the door for me, if he's a gentleman in so many other levels, I can see that. You know what I mean? I, I like I'm not gonna judge you because of that. Right, it's and called I think chivalry because yeah. it's been lost. And I like so, chivalry, but I'm right. just Check saying there's so many other amazing ways to be a chivalrous. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, like when I go to lunch in the lobby downstairs, this is Anthony I, talking. By the this way, is me. hey everybody, hey, I'm like the forgotten one now. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> no, <you're not>. So <laughs> we love you, brother. So. When I open the door for women, they're so shocked that they're like, oh, my God, thank you so much. It's like guys have forgotten to open doors. Yeah. So, you know, um, that whole shivery thing, I think when when women say, yeah, I want a, I want a man, mm. that's part of, I think, what it, what they what they want. They want somebody to you know, be respectful, you know, respect women. Mm. And at the same time, we have a role. That's part of our role mm. to Look after women. I absolutely agree with the idea that it's helpful to support somebody and to show that love and to show that kind of compassion in opening doors, pulling out chairs, picking up dinner tabs, whatever. The Where it becomes potentially problematic is if a woman or somebody else wants to be able to have that choice. And sometimes people feel that it's not as helpful for you to take away that choice. Yeah. So some mm-hmm. people would say like, no, I'm good. Like, I want to be able to open my own door. I want to be able to pull out my own chair. Like, you know what? You've been working hard this week. Let me pick up the tab. Let me cover the men, men like that, huh? Let's be really, because I've talked to some of my guy friends and they're like, look, I'm a gentleman and they are, right? Mm-hmm. But they're like, you know, what? for the most part, nine, 95% of the time, like I got my girl. Mm-hmm. But when my girl... Uh, tells me, baby, I got it. Mm. Like men, real that goes a long goes way with long men, huh? Way. Right? It does, doesn't it? Mm. It really does. And I think that's that's great. And that's I know awesome. when when my partner picks up the towel, I'm like, man, that's great. Like she's really helping me out that way. I also think that it's important that couples be able to have conversations about what their understanding about these these roles and these expectations are with just auto, without automatically assuming that because you're a man you're going to do this or because you're a woman you're going to do that. That's true and a lot you know I've seen a lot of females just I don't know why they do it sometimes but like the feminist ones will be like oh you think I can't get this bill or you think I can't pay for it or it's like <laughs> It's like, dude, like he was just trying to offer. But, but that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a feeling that you're you're taking away a woman's choice just to prove your manhood. 
Yeah. And that's really problematic because it, at that point, it doesn't become, it's not about chivalry. It's about you trying to prove something. Yeah. So I know Anthony's a great dude and he's doing it because he's, he is a great dude. Yeah. But sometimes men do things in a way where it becomes more about them and less about the woman that they're trying to help out. Okay. So they're trying to prove like, nah, man, I'm, I'm a man. Like, yeah, I can open this door. Or like, yeah, I can pick up this tab. I work hard. And it's not actually about being kind. It's not about being generous or being chivalrous. It's about trying to prove yourself. You know, I don't. I think a lot of people don't even understand what femininity is. Like femininity is equal equality across the board. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's. I think a lot of people when they think of femininity, they're like pro women, fuck men, mm. and I don't think that that that's not what femininity is. It's no. like demanding equality across the table, right? Yeah. Right, which is great. Yeah, women's rights don't somehow uh, mean that men aren't supposed to or aren't able to help out in the conversation. I think as a man, and, and speaking here for myself, it's important that I listen before I do to be able to actually help and understand and aid in women's rights. Okay, but seriously, yep, I, I'm going to team up with Milo and I'm going to start teaching workshops because <laughs> because men, I feel like m- women, and I don't feel, I know, women were very, and I know that a lot of men listening to this and be like, yeah, right. Mm. But I feel like women are very simple creatures just as men are simple creatures, <laughs> yeah, right? right. <laughs> See what I'm saying? It's, <laughs> it's a little think- bit of both though. We're not so simple and yet we're a little bit complicated. So I mean, it's, it's, and it's hard to keep that they, balance. Nobody mm. knows. We've we've been programmed a certain way, and now coming into this day and age, and this in this uh, millennial mm-hmm. is that is, is now we're starting to think differently. Mm-hmm. And so it's now it's just a little bit of old school is coming into new school, mm. and we got to find that balance. And now we got to yeah. teach the teach the new people how to educate. And the only way to find that balance is to have healthy conversations. Correct. And to be able to have healthy dialogue. So for, in all seriousness, if you could somehow sit me down, what was her name? Allie? Yeah. If um, you could somehow set that sit that me up, down Dr. Milo. Allie, I would really appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> because I have a lot of questions. And a healthy and debate. Healthy debate. Yeah. It's not going to be ridiculous. Um, I encourage uh, healthy conflict at times in terms of having difficult dialogue. I don't think conflict is by itself this bad thing that everybody tries to make it out to be. I'm going to disagree with probably a large percentage of what she's talking about. But I at least want to engage in that conversation. Yeah, I'm wondering what kind of feedback she got to that video. Probably like, I mean, lot. what what kind of comments she got? Because I think a lot uh-huh. of times when you think, you, you look at her and you're like, she's white. Uh-huh. So she doesn't uh-huh. understand the stuff that colored people go through. <laughs> she's right? from Texas, people too. She's color, from yes. Texas, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, and, and she's from Texas. Yeah, oh, she's okay. from Texas. And then you think aggression and uh-huh. you think, and then you think just Harvey Weinstein and you think Donald Trump. Like, when I think, when I hear her talk about that, mm. that's what comes to mind. And, and those thoughts are not happy thoughts because they're two men that a lot of people hate. And I'm so, so glad that you brought in the comment that she made about being dangerous, being uncontrollable and uncontainable, because that's really problematic for men or, or people in general to hear that. Black men, especially. Yeah, yeah Cause God she, forbid. Because she basically, and this is my own take here, she's trying to perpetuate and promote dangerousness men being uncontrollable and uncontainable because that's what it means to be a man to be a man means you're supposed to be dangerous to be a man from her perspective to be a man means that you're supposed to not be able to be contained like no dog i'm a man like you can't stop me 
And that's how what she was saying. That's exactly what contributes to rape culture. Or maybe she worded. Maybe she didn't mean to say dangerous, but maybe she mean to word it in a different way. So maybe we can elaborate more on that. And that's why I said I have a lot of questions, Miss Allie, because uh, <laughs> you you trying to yeah. The Allie and a uh, doctor, a uh, doctor Dotson, uh, a debate is gonna go down. We're gonna track this girl down. Hopefully, she lives in L.A. and not Texas. Uh, and I need him to be in the same room with. Uh, San Juan, please. <laughs> we should get them all here. Oh We're coming right back talking about toxic masculinity on uh, Risque with Roxy and Ruby. Hey, this is Rosa Acosta, and you're listening to Amber Rose Presents Risque with Roxy and Ruby on CBS Play That It. Man, the conversation, la conversación with Dr. Milo is, man, this is, I'm learning so much. And I, you have such a soothing voice, Dr. Milo. It's like, you know, the, <laughs> Thank you. your vocabulary is so, so large. And, <laughs> and you know, it's probably why you do what you do, because uh, you, you help enlighten, like, mm. who you deal with, you know, whether it's patients or mm. people that are maybe just, like, struggling in their own head. You probably mm. make them realize, like... You're not crazy. Like the whole world has told you you are. Man, yeah, thank you for saying that. I mean, I I feel really, really honored uh, to be completely honest here. I feel so honored to be able to sit with folks as they're in their most vulnerable times and they're feeling really beat down. They're feeling really worn down. What would you and say like those vulnerable times are for a lot of human beings that mm, like divorce, the death? Biggest, the biggest thing that I hear personally would be something along the lines of not feeling like you're enough. Mm. I'm not enough. I don't do enough. I don't have enough. I don't work enough. Not being enough. And somehow we equate our ability to do things with our value as a person. Yeah. So I'm a better person if I get straight A's as a college student. I'm a better person if I make six, seven, eight figures. Yeah. But somehow if I'm not living up to my expectations of what I do, I don't feel like I'm enough as a person and I don't feel like I have value. And so where I like to really kind of jump in here is to be able to let people know that they have value above and beyond whatever they do. And that value will never increase, nor will it decrease for your entire life. So yeah, you can do and you can be the president, you can be an astronaut, you can do all these amazing things, but that actually doesn't make you a better person. That just means that you're professionally successful. Yeah. But I think it's it's right now so important that we try to reframe and shift this perspective of what it actually means to be successful. What if we define success in terms of being compassionate? What if we define success in terms of being kind? Imagine how the world would look. Man, it would not look, I'll tell you this much, it would not look how it looks right now. And you know, I like the fact that more people are talking about mental health, you know, Mm -hmm. because a lot of people, like for example, that that Texas shooting, you know, Donald Trump, did you hear what he said? I mean, and a lot of people were kind of like, they're... Everybody wanted him to talk about gun control, mm-hmm. and he talked about mental health. Mm. You know, did you see him talk about that? Where he was like, you know, this is a mental health problem, and that's really what it comes down to. I mean, it comes down to gun control mm-hmm. and mental health because they're gun saying control. that mm-hmm. they're saying that this guy, um, basically, it was his reaction to a domestic issue that he had with his partner, with uh, his ex-wife and their kid, or something and, like that. And what does that sound like? We're just talking about toxic it, masculinity, exactly, and how that. That idea that I have to be a man, I have to have this relationship that looks a certain way. We, she can't act like this. I have to act like that. And when shit hits a fan, 
tragedy happens. Yeah. And that's why it's so crucial that we talk about masculinity and myself as a man, I need to have these conversations as all men do with other men because sexism isn't a woman's problem. It's man's problem. Just like racism isn't people of color's problem. It's white folks problem. And so people of color talking about it's only going to get it so far. Women talking with each other is only going to get so far. It doesn't legitimize it for men to be able to have these conversations, but for this change in men's mentality to change, I myself need to have conversations with other men. Yeah, that's why I'm so glad it's you talking about toxic masculinity. Uh I'm telling you, if it was a woman, Uh it would be taken in a different way. They would be like, oh, well, she's a man hater. Well, I'll tell you this much right now. I'm sure in whatever comments, whoever sees this and and listens to it, people would be like, man, that dude's gay. No, he's not. Uh, Bet me. I know, but Anthony, I know your partner. Let's take a bet right now. <laughs> You're not gay. As a witness, <laughs> people are going to say that I'm no. gay or people who have the same sort of approach and mentality as I do in terms of expressing emotions and in terms of being able to have conversations about toxic masculinity. Toxic, yeah. toxic that's masculinity. Thing. Why do they make this, this word so damn hard? I toxic know. masculinity. <laughs> to be able to say like, nah, like that's this dude's weak. No, you know what? I'll tell you just like as a woman who is I'm very expressive with my emotions. Mm-hmm. I'm a lover. I mean, and and I, I feel like I'm a great communicator when it comes to people. And this is why my job is a communicator, because right, right. I'm a storyteller and I love to organically share my stories. And mm-hmm. in turn, you know, one of my mentors always tells me that when somebody gets personal with you with the story, mm. you share something personal with them, too. It doesn't have to mm. be so in detail, mm-hmm. but that's how you create relationship. That's how you create dialogue. Sure. You open up, I open up and you get to know each other. Right. Absolutely. And so to me, it's like as a woman. As a as a mature woman, mm-hmm. right? Like it is so attractive. And okay. if you're a man listening to this, you have to really like take out your iPhone right now or your Android and take notes. Like, don't be afraid mm. to express yourself to your woman, you know. And Absolutely. don't be afraid to. And and I think I get this. I feel like I sometimes intimidate men, mm-hmm. and they feel like they have to turn into something else to approach me versus mm-hmm. just being who you are mm-hmm. you know and i think and that a lot of that has to do with our society that we live in yes. you know you got to drive a certain car you got to buy name brand shit which mm-hmm. you know you know as a psychologist that mm-hmm. there's a psychology behind name brand stuff oh man that's that's yeah. capitalism at its best yeah yeah it's it, there's a psychology you feel more like oh i'm i'm valuable like i yes. versus like girl you could go to the Salvation Army. You could go to uh-huh. out of the closet. All the I've gone to thrift stores and bought some. Ra- I've gone to garage sales. Right. You know the, the clothes don't make the individual. The individual makes a clothes, and it doesn't Absolutely. matter where those clothes come from. And that's why I'm saying your value doesn't increase just by you being able to have name brand. You can absolutely like those things. But that doesn't mean that you're a better person or that you have more value or that you have more worth just because you're you know in Gucci gang. Yeah. Just because you're Louis Vuitton, everything. Exactly. So I, I, you know, to to the men listening to this, like, don't like tap, learn to tap into that. And I'm not even going to say it's the feminine side of you. Right. It's just more your. Well, how would you call it? Like tapping into your feelings and knowing mm. that it's OK to tell a woman and call your woman and be mm-hmm. like, how are you, baby? Like, mm-hmm. I missed you. You know what? Like, I can't wait to snuggle with you tonight. Like, there's nothing gay about that. Not at all. And, and it's think, beautiful. And think about that. Like, we're trying to qualify what it means to be kind and be compassionate. 
and being kind and compassionate. That's not about femininity, masculinity, a combination. That's just being, so to um, answer your question directly, what I would call it is being a caring human being. It's being human. Like you, it, you don't have to be one thing. We don't have to create all these classifications just to really understand what kindness and compassion means. For real. Like, for example, I know men that have daughters, right? Mm-hmm. And they are a love with their daughters. Mm-hmm. They are like my baby girl, amazing relationship. They spoil them. They even change their voice when they talk to them. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay. But again, what you were talking about, the classifications. But mm-hmm. when it comes to the women that they're dating, mm-hmm. right? Not even their wives. or men, men that have, you know, divorced or whatever. And right. they're out in the dating world. Right, right, right. They change their whole way of being with women mm-hmm. because it's like I could be lovable with my daughter and I could be this whole certain way. Like, why can't you be with that with somebody you're getting to know? Right. You know, you don't have yes. to put up all these walls to say like, oh, well, I don't want her to know that I'm feeling her. And then at the end of the day, what happens is you confuse the woman that you're dating because you're like, does this guy like me? Does mm-hmm. he not like me? I feel like he likes me. I was just telling you yeah. a story off the air. It's right, like, right. I, you know, it, you you energy doesn't lie. And you it know doesn't. when somebody is feeling you. And the energy is there. You know, they're kind of like in your personal space, but not uh-huh. really. And it's it becomes a guessing game. Yes. And you're like, dude, just talk to me how it is. Just be direct. And that's another another negative aspect that we're talking about masculinity and how it becomes toxic because it gets to be so confusing. Like I have to somehow uphold this image of manhood in a way that's not actually helpful. So I need, I'm confused because, well, she's telling me that I I need to express my emotions, but she's also telling me not to be a wuss. And she's also telling me not to do all these other things. So there's, there's this confusion here. And that is, is kind of confusing you as the partner there or the person that he's trying to date. But it also has this negative impact on us as men. And that's why it's so critical that men continue to have uh, more reflection and more self-awareness without feeling. And, and again, please, God, let me talk to Sister Allie. Yeah, um, we're about to locate Allie yeah, yeah. for you. So that's why it's so critical to understand that it's not about emasculating men just by trying to understand emotional expression and not being sexist sexist or misogynist like how does that even make sense yeah so would you say would you say dr milo that a lot of that comes from your childhood Um, like a lot of a lot of because you know what i hear from men or women that uh write to me like oh you know i'm going through a divorce and my biggest thing is this man doesn't talk to me you know like he Uh, he doesn't uh. open up and do you think all that comes from childhood and what you saw growing up you Mm. know because like for example this girl wrote to me the other day saying that her man is a cheater Mm. constantly cheating on her. He's, she's caught him cheating on her four times. Okay. She knows it's not right. Uh-huh. She knows she shouldn't be in this relationship. Yes. Everything, she's questioning it. Yeah. The moment you start questioning something, it's because you know it's not right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I got right down to the, I felt like you. I felt like a clinical psychologist. I was like, <laughs> excuse me. Let me ask you a question. Did you grow up uh-huh. seeing your mom get abused or did some type of abuse happen in your, while you were growing mm. up? She says, yes, I saw my mom, I saw my dad be verbally abusive on my mother. Okay. And I always told myself that I would never be in a situation like that. And mm. he cheated on her too. So, and guess what? Yeah. She's in a situation like that. Yeah. So what we know about cycles of abuse is somehow or, and sometimes they are learned. And so whether that's learning from from parents, whether that's learning from friends or people in your lives that, you know, you have around a lot when you're growing up, sometimes what becomes, quote unquote, normal is what you see out there. Yep. And so somehow there's this balance like, well, I know it's not 
right. And I know like realistically this shouldn't be happening, but I'm still okay with it enough to stay with him. Yeah, like Chris Brown. I don't know if you've seen the mm-hmm. uh, documentary on Netflix. Yeah, it, not the whole thing, but I've seen a couple. It's a yeah. great documentary. I've, I've actually have always loved Chris Brown as an artist. I think mm-hmm. he's a phenomenal artist. He's sure. one of the most phenomenal artists of our times. Sure. And it's so funny because I, I like him as an artist. Okay. I'm not like saying that what he did to Rihanna was okay. Ever. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? It's never okay to abuse a woman like that. And it's funny because the other day I was at this little gathering and we were playing with Spotify, like the, uh-huh. the we were changing the music. Mm. And I put, I was like, hey, I was all excited about Chris Brown's new album, 45 right, right. songs. I was like, yeah, you guys got to listen yeah, to this. Long out, yeah. Amazing, uh-huh. right? And these there was three women there and they were older. Okay. And they looked at me and they're like, did you just say Chris Brown? And I was like, but like, it was so crazy. Like the energy changed in the oh, room. Oh, okay. And I said, yeah, like I, I'm a music head. Like mm-hmm. I love Morrissey. I love Chris Brown. I love Luis Miguel. I love, you know what? I, music. Music is music, right? Right, right, right? And they're like, well, you know, he's a woman beater, right? Mm. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, yes. I could, like, but mm. what does that have to do with this being a phenomenal album? Mm. And, and, yeah, and they, saying. and they became very indifferent with me mm. and it changed the, it altered the mood in the room. And right. I was like, wow, these women are owning it. Like he abused them. Right. And it was think, just so weird. And I think for a lot of people, um, there's this feeling like they're they're not okay with looking past the abuse to just give props to the talent. Because ultimately that's the same person. So if if we look at um I'm a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Like my family came from Pittsburgh. Yeah. And with Ben Roethlisberger's sexual assault, like I'm not I'm I'm a Steelers fan and I'm still not okay with saying, well, it's cool because you're an amazing quarterback. You're an amazing quarterback. So I'm going to look past all this stuff that you did. I think it's important to kind of see that together because, again, like we were talking about, you're more than just what you do. And that's the same person, right? You have the value as a person and and what you do. So I think um, with, with Chris Brown, it's so complex and it's so like messy. Yeah. Well, his stepfather important. grew up. Well, right. he saw his stepfather be abusing his mother. His right, mother. Right, right. Could it be that's why he did that too? Right? Because it's learned behavior. Act- I think he's actually talked about that. Like, I think he's talked about this is sort of what I've been around, and it's shaped my understanding about interactions with women or um, what abuse means and what it doesn't mean. Yeah. Um, he's talked about that himself, so we don't even really have to do the, the guesswork there. Yeah. You know what? Coming back, um, I want to talk about, I want to really wrap up with maybe somebody that's listening to this that wants to change mm-hmm. Dr. Milo, but okay. doesn't know how to start. You know, because Ah. they're so deep into their patterns of what they do, how they do it. They're adults. Yes. You know, it's stuff that they could have seen like Chris Brown growing up. Okay. But they want, they really have that desire to say, you know what? Like, I I know I want to be a better communicator with my wife Uh or even a woman. I want to be a better communicator with my, with my husband because I know women that have grown up and they've told me, um, you know, my mom has never told me I love you. There's women that have never really heard um, I love you or I support you. And I think as a human being, that kind of affects you when you don't hear words like I love you. You know, as a little kid, you want to hear like I love you. You're beautiful. You have an amazing voice. Like Mm -hmm. you're powerful. Like I heard those things growing up, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think a lot of that has to do with who I am now. Yes. But there's people that are listening to this that have maybe never 
receive that type of support from their parents or from their core unit. Yeah. You know, that are like, damn, I want to break that cycle. So coming back, we're going to talk about how you're going to give us tips, right? On how mm-hmm. we can start that process of healing. Yes. Because healing. the world knows that we need all the healing oh, in the world man. right now. Good Lord. Oh, man. Anthony, are you enjoying this this um, this episode or what? I am. I enjoy every episode. Do you have daddy issues? No, I talk to my dad at least three times a week. Man. Oh, snap. I love it. We're coming right back. It's Risque with Roxy and Ruby. Yo, cuál es la que mienta? Somos los racas, and you listening to Amber Rose present Risque with Roxy and Ruby on CBS. Play that it. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, what a saucy, amazing, informative conversation we're Sa- having. I don't think I've ever been called saucy before. Saucy. So <laughs> yeah, welcome back, guys, to Risque with Roxy and Ruby. We have Dr. Milo um, in the house talking about toxic masculinity and just all these other great um, mm. topics that have come up in the meantime. Mm. We were talking about. Um, vulnerability. Yes. You said something right now about vulnerability that I was like, you have to say that on. Yeah, say yes. you have to say it. I would rather take the risk of being vulnerable because it is risky. And, it is. And we started talking about this because Roxy's currently wearing a shirt that says "risk" on it. Yes. And so Shout I said, out to my shirt. I said, "Word to your shirt." I would rather be. I would rather take the risk and be vulnerable than live my life in fear and have my emotions be restricted. Yeah, and, and 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 what we were talking about earlier with San Juan's podcast, um, love is not a liability. Being a, you were saying that you're a lover. I'm right? a lover, and, and I'm so, always going to be a lover. And then that's a beautiful thing. But I think it's important to point out that being a lover is not making you liable, or it's not a liability to somehow being weak or somehow being. Um, uh, just a weak person in general and you're not less than because you're a lover just because you're putting your feelings in a box doesn't make you a better person doesn't make you stronger yeah and so like i said i would rather take the risk of being vulnerable to really find out what it means to be in touch with my emotions and connect with other people than living in fear about being uh like cheated on yeah because i have been cheated on and it sucks but I'm not going to live my life in fear about that happening again. Exactly. And, you know, like I, I kind of worry when I meet men that have tattoos on their chest or, like, on their arm that say, like, trust no bitches or something like that. Yeah. Trust no bitch. And I'm like... It's problematic I'm for like, a lot of reasons. I'm like, are, are you jaded? Uh, a little jaded and bitter about what uh, happened to you? And men take that, like, super yes. to the heart, man. And, like, and that's that, toxic masculinity right there. That hits the ego, like, in a way where... Man, the way they view women is so sad. The way they talk about women because it prevents you from having from the possibility of mm-hmm. something amazing and great to walk into your space. Yes. You know, and like me, I mean, I love San Juan and everybody that may like go put their feelings in a box. And at moments, I do need to put my feelings in a we, box. But there are times we have to protect ourselves. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Totally. And I agree with that. But for the most part. I don't I I don't want to be that person mm-hmm. that allows one experience of a guy breaking up with me because that's mm-hmm. what happened this last breakup right, right. to really make me be bitter and say uh, like you know what f men they're not worth it you know it, am I you know he was younger than me am okay. I close to the opportunity of dating a younger man again no I'm not okay. like I'm not going to allow that mm. to just change my perspective Mm. i just know that you know what maybe it was just wrong timing okay maybe he wasn't my soulmate maybe he is maybe in the future we'll get back together like i'm open to just to just rediscovering myself Uh. and i think that's a good attitude to have like when you're going through a breakup instead of 
running into the arms of somebody else because honestly, uh, Dr. Milo, that was my pattern. Mm-hmm. I am br- I I now have broken my own pattern and I yes. am so proud of that because you're and you're probably like, "What, girl? You've no, only, I, you've only me, been I single totally for 3 that. months." I I would have already within a month be back in a relationship. I would have already been in the arms of somebody else. <sighs> and that to me is I'm so proud of myself. I'm like, proud of you too. I'm I am. You like five. seriously, because yeah. that's the way I dealt with stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, did you? Did I even deal with it? But think about what you just said right there. I'm dealing with my heartbreak by getting back into another relationship. <laughs> like, does that even they, make sense? But a lot of people do but, that. Uh, Men so, and so women. So many people do that. And I think it's important that we take the time. And this is what we talked about last time I was here. Taking the time to understand what it means to love yourself unconditionally and being able to practice that self-love because whether you're in a relationship or not, we always have to have that. Yeah. Because what happens is sometimes you're in a relationship and you find your your, your identity is created based around this relationship and God forbid the relationship doesn't work out, then who are you? Exactly. And then I have to get back into another one to be able to find myself again. But then at the same time, God. I've never been able to heal from like three relationships ago. Yeah. And I'm just trying to date this other person. And that shit's not going to work out for it's nobody. It's not going to work out. So, man, if you're out there going through a breakup, like I, and it's not until that, it's not until you actually live and go through something mm. that you can actually give like a recommendation because mm. otherwise you're speaking from a place of not knowing, mm. you know? And and I'm I'm just, I'm a big advocate now of like, Take some space. So I've actually have made a promise to myself that I want to be alone for one year. Okay. And unless Dr. Um, Milo, unless, and this is okay. this is like document in front of Anthony, okay. the homo homie. Okay. Unless I meet my soulmate, and uh-huh. I'm just gonna know okay. when it's my soulmate. I think it's gonna be like, woof. Mm. It's gonna be right. Like I just feel I I don't know. Maybe that's the fairy tale mentality that I have in my head. Well, like, but check- you're just gonna know when it's your soulmate. But I think it's important that we don't romanticize romance and have a loveless romance does that make sense no it doesn't break that down because that just confused me you can't (laughs) look for romance you can't look for a fairy tale ending and not understand what love means because love is the core of healthy relationships not what disney movies tell us not what hollywood tells us yeah it's what we feel and to understand what we feel we have to spend time with ourselves to understand what that you said like when you find that soulmate it's going to be like a whoosh like whoosh I would this invite, magnetic yeah. energy of like I would, what? I would invite you to consider what that whoosh actually means for you and how you how are you going to know when you have that whoosh Ooh. maybe it's going to be something that i've never felt before you know you know i think mm-hmm. my last relationship getting out of my last relationship hurt me so deeply and i still mm. i still have that hurt okay. inside of me like Maybe like halfway, you know, okay. like I just got to just give myself more time. Sure. But I think why it hurt me so deeply is because my basis of that relationship was mm. pure love. It was not any type of interest. It was not mm. because he was a baller. It was strictly and 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 the homo homie is my witness. Like it was literally a love based relationship okay. that in my head I thought could overcome anything. Like literally, mm. I never once thought about breaking up with this guy. Okay. Well, obviously, he did. So he broke up with me. But <laughs> it, it and I and you know what? I uh-huh. do. From all of our relationships, we should learn something. I do want my next relationship to really be love based too. Yes. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. I, because I think a lot of people don't come from that place anymore. Mm. It's always like some type of interest or some type of what he can do for me. What can she do for me? And I don't want that. I right. want the basis because you just said it. Right. The basis of every relationship should be pure love. And and to be able to have the courage to recognize that sometimes love is scary. 
to take that risk, to put yourself out there after you've been cheated on, after you've had your heart broken, to be able to try to start dating again, that's scary shit. Yeah. Like, and anybody tells you otherwise is lying to you. It's scary to try to put yourself out there again, but you deserve to have that love realized. Yeah. If that's what you want, you deserve that. Yep. Just mm-hmm. like anything in life, if hard, I think uh, the prophet Nelly once said, um, if hard work pays off, then easy work is worthless. And Damn. so, and that's so, D, being, that's tweetable. Yeah, you, better, that's, you, better, <laughs> <laughs> you better tag Dr. Milo that, Dodson that's on word, that one. Uh, word to St. Louis, that's Nelly right there. Nelly. So, being oh. it, yeah. <laughs> so, so, being able to understand that if we're looking for something that's so powerful and so magical like love is, it's, it's supposed to be work. It's supposed to take risk. And there's a difference between it taking work and taking too much work or being too putting yourself in harm's way or when it's starting to have a negative impact on you. That's not good either. That's yeah. not work. Yeah. If you're in a relationship and you're constantly crying, feeling stressed out, feeling anxiety. Mm it's probably a clear indication that that relationship isn't a healthy relationship. I remember Mm. one of my ex-boyfriends, he told me, and I learned, he was like, I think one of my greatest teachers when it came to relationships. But I remember he told me one time, if I don't make you smile, if I don't make you laugh, Mm. um, like, and you find yourself maybe crying or feeling this other way, like I'm in your world Mm -hmm. to make you smile, to make you happy and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Like the moment our relationship starts steering another direction, Mm -hmm. like, you feel free to leave me mm. and and like that guy brought so much joy into my life until mm, this day wow. i asked myself like damn why why did we break up but whatever you know oh I, man we can talk about that lesson next learned yeah. I, yeah, next time <laughs> next time but you know it's it's uh it's so true because yeah. i feel like a re- the basis of any relationship should be joy mm. joy it should feel joyous it should feel happy you know and like not perfect because I think no, a lot no, of no. times perfection we do. Perfection is a lie. Perfection is a lie, but more more happy than anything. Yeah, and I think it's important to be able to have um, healthy conversations and, and those difficult dialogues to be able to be great communicators and yeah. to express what you're feeling. Yeah. And when you don't, that's when problems start to happen. Um, and so, yes, joy and happiness should be the base of relationships because we all deserve to have joy and happiness and to not think that we only deserve that joy and happiness if we're in a relationship. Yeah. You deserve that just for whoever you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So just to wrap it up, because I know we're coming to the end of our show. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody's listening to this right now is like, how can I start healing? Mm. Like how what you being a licensed psychologist, like what would you tell somebody that is in a place right now where they want to change, mm. whether it's a man or a woman, mm-hmm. they want to change, but they just don't know how because they have family that doesn't support them. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't know where to start. It's kind of like somebody that wants to lose weight mm. and they don't know where to start. And I'm like, dude, there's YouTube videos. There's cookbooks. Get your ass started. There is a lot of resources out there, but yes. it's like, you know. I don't know. Some people don't use these resources, but if they're listening to this, like how can they start that healing journey? The first thing that I want to share with people is that you deserve the love that you want and you have the value to have that love recognized and reciprocated and shared in return. A lot of times I think people are afraid or hesitant to start difficult journeys because they either don't feel like they're going to get the end result or they don't feel like they're deserving enough to put in that hard work. And so I think a lot of times we also hear, I need to have this end result for this process to actually mean anything. So if people are saying like, well, I had this breakup 
And so the whole three years were just for shit because now we're not together anymore. I think, no, you can actually learn about yourself and learn what love is along the way. So again, for people looking to start a journey, whether that is weight loss, whether that is getting back into a relationship, I want to just share with you, I don't know who you are. I probably have never met you before, but I have love for you. And my hope is that you recognize and embrace that love for yourself. Yeah, self-love, man. It's like the core of everything, huh? Oh, man, is it? Oh, man. Oh, Milo, man, when are you going to start teaching workshops for men? Oh, man. We, I, uh, I, I could give you a guest list. Man, sign me up. Yeah, okay? let's, do, let's do it. A guest list of men that could... Even, Anthony, even you're inspired, huh? He's just like, man, I'm over here like, damn. I'm, I'm about to go express my feelings in my heart to someone right now. <laughs> not, not today, no. All of a sudden, no, Anthony no. had a southern accent with all that going on. <laughs> I just came back from uh, Memphis, well, uh, Tennessee. Yeah, so I'm south. talking a little yeah. country. <laughs> the Carolinas. The Carolinas. Yeah. No, but Anthony, as a man, do you have a problem? Like, do you struggle with expressing your feelings to a woman? You don't give me the vibe that you do because you're you're a man. You kind of already been through like a lot of stuff, right? Oh, absolutely. Trial and error. Yes, um, experience with that part of uh, my life mm. expressing with women now do you mm. know that us women love when a man expresses himself to us I like do, I personally I, love yeah, that I'm just not going to put it out to uh, anyone anyone it got, she has to be special yeah you know and yeah. Yeah, you know just talk what does a man mean when it, when he tells because I've had men tell me that like you're you're really special does that mean like I like you no, I mean, you're, like, or you're, you're you're better than. Is that like a pickup line, or is that like real <laughs> emotion? <laughs> when a guy looks at you and they're like, you know, you're special, and you're like, and I and I know that I'm special. Like, I know this. My I grew up. My mom yeah. telling me that I'm special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, the fact that a man could reaffirm what I already know that's pretty amazing. Mm. But when so a man you, says that, what what am, how am I supposed to take that? I mean, take take the compliment. I mean, you know, don't look for uh, any further. You know, than what it is. Should I, mean, I say thank you or should I say, say oh, I know? know I'm really, <laughs> say that. You so, say, say, you know what? I really appreciate say, that. Thank you. I received that. Thank yeah. you. I received that. That's in good. In the name of Jesus, I receive it. Jesus, hallelujah. But, you know, Roxy, you're a, spe- you know, you're a chick cut from differently cut than a lot of chicks, you know, in LA to me. Thank you. And that's, a, I'm, I'm saying that's a, a good, very good thing. Thank mm. you. No, I, I take, yeah. I, I, Anthony, thank you. I received that. Boom. There you go. Oh, my <laughs> and, and it means nothing yes. else. Yeah. That's yes. exactly, that's exactly what it means. Yes. I just told you exactly. And, and, yeah. and the key is also your being special does not take away from other people's ability to also be special. Right. Because we can all be special. We can all be unique. We can all be lovable without feeling like we're dimming other people's lights just by letting our light shine. God, man. Oh, my gosh. I hope, I have really enjoyed this conversation so much likewise, likewise seriously like we're gonna set up the debate with you and that homegirl on that on video sister Allie. Allie. Sister Allie. Allie. Sister Allie. we're, we're tracking sister her Allie. down as we speak we're gonna send her a dm because i think that would be a very interesting healthy debate i'm all with it if i gotta go to texas um i'm gonna bring some uh some of my fraternity's brothers with me <laughs> but uh i will go to texas if i need to yes and how can people find you on social media dr milo social so- media i am ph dodson ph d o d 
D-S-O-N. And are you open for people? Do you ever get messages from people like, hey, Dr. Dotson, I'm going through this. Like, do mm. you respond or is that more of like a you in person meet uh, um, appointment? I would say probably uh, I can do consultations, but I think the the danger is people thinking that my DMs is somehow going to relate or translate to therapy. Yeah. And just by a DM doesn't mean that we have a therapeutic relationship. Yeah. Um, only being in therapy means that we have a therapeutic relationship. Yeah, he's so like, Roxy, think- see what you're starting? You're going to have like 25 million DMs because you're talking about the DM, girl. Well, I mean, I think like it's important that people know that I want to support them, but I also respect and honor the profession so much and respect and honor people's ability to have therapy that I don't want to do them a disservice by think that we're equating a DM to a therapy a session. A session, yeah, yeah. no. You yeah. know what? I think my biggest takeaway from this is like, is is there's no right or wrong, right? Mm. In the way you express yourself. I mean, but what I really love and how we're ending it is when somebody gives you a compliment, you say, thank you, I receive it. That's going to mm. be my new thing. Mm. Yeah, that's going to be my new thing. Thank think, you, I receive it. Like, that's right. so powerful. Because if you just say, sometimes people think, well, if I just say thank you, then that means that I'm conceited. Or if I just kind of like pass it off, they're going to think that like I'm a jerk or they're thinking I'm full of myself. But if you say, you know what? Thank you. I, I receive that. Do you if, say that to people when they give you a compliment? Um, yeah, I do now because earlier I, I had a big, um, I had a lot of challenge and a lot of difficulty being able to receive compliments. A how, lot of people do. How, how, yeah. And so I, I recognize that in that moment, it's not necessarily about my insecurities, which I had and still continue to have, but being able to just appreciate somebody sharing that, that love that way. Yeah. And so even though I may still myself struggle in some ways, it's like, you know what? Thank you. I receive that. Thank you. E- Erika, I love your beard. <laughs> Thank you. I receive that. Anthony, <laughs> I love your buff chest. <laughs> I knew that already. <laughs> Oh my God, you guys. This has been another episode of Risque with Roxy and Rui. We love you and we'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.